Hey, Real Nerds listeners, your favorite host, Ryan, here to remind you that social media is great. How great is it? There's many ways you can find the Real Nerds on social media. You can download us on iTunes. You can listen to us streaming on Stitcher Radio. You can call us 720-6Nerds5. Aw, man, our website is so cool. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You want to leave some fan mail? Oh, that's so easy, realnerds at gmail.com. Twitter, we got it, at real underscore nerds. You can even like us on Facebook. Thank you so much, and hey, enjoy the show. Hi, this is Jonathan Tiersten from The Perfect House and Sleepaway Camp, and you are listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic-Con. I am Ryan. With me sometimes is... Brad. I said sometimes, Brad, because you've missed a lot of episodes lately. Well, you know, I've been busy. Yeah, fuck you, Brad. I don't care. You know I don't care about you? Why? Because we have a guest this week. We have a fellow podcaster with us, and also a friend of many years. John, say hi to everybody. Hello. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Awesome. Hey, why don't you tell us about your podcast? Hey, so John X, uh, I host the John of All Trades podcast. You can find me at John of All Trades. That's with no H because I'm a huge gash about the way my name is spelled. (laughs) J-O-N of All Trades. Huge gash. (laughs) Dot U-S. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at J-O-A-T pod. Facebook at J-O-A-T pod. Also syndicated. iTunes and Stitcher. Just search John of All Trades. We talk to all number of people about what they do and how they do it, and we actually just talk to you guys. So this is kind of a, this is a nice double branding thing where, for a change, I'm not hosting this show. So fucking take it away, Ryan. Nice, we're hey, doing thanks. a sweet cross up, crossover it episode, is. dude. It's like it's like we're Batman v Superman. Yeah. Um, no, but what John, what's cool about your podcast is you don't have a set structure as far as your guests on your show you've had many people talk about the uniqueness of the people you've had on and the different kinds of uh podcasts you've had absolutely i have talked to so many different types of people about i think there's nothing more interesting than talking to people about what they do and how they do it because most people are so bored by their own lives they go oh yeah whatever and so part of the origin story of what i do is i was at my day job i was riding down the elevator one day and i ran into someone i know and they said to me So, hey, what are you doing tonight? And I go, oh, I got to go to the fucking governor's mansion again. And they go, oh, wow, sorry. You have to go to the fucking governor's mansion again. And for me, that's like, that's a thing. Like, I'm just going to work, right? Mm -hmm. I talked to this other guy who who did audio for us. He was a freelancer. And he, I go, what's your next gig? Like, we were going between setups. And he goes, oh, uh, Monday Night Football, uh, the Broncos are on. Uh, So I got a gig with NFL Network where we run... uh, I run on the field, we get interviews, and then we go in the locker room. I go, holy shit. So, like, how many times would you say you've been in the Broncos locker room? And he goes, oh, pfft, uh, like two dozen. And I go, do you know how fucking mind-blowing that is to someone? And that's that guy going to work. So I know that there are so many different stories of 
shit you do all the time and shit you'd never know anything about. So I talked to a guy who's been on Wall Street for the last 10 years. I talked to a professional hairdresser. I talked to Kristen Nolan from the uh, 48-Hour Film Project. I talked to a guy who audits aerospace companies. Um, basically, anyone and everyone. I got one coming up next week with the Rockies public address announcer, Reed Saunders. Nice. So, yeah, from all different types of jobs, all different experience levels, what makes you successful? It's half origin story, half shop talk. So there will be something for everyone on John of All Trades podcast. So how do you get these people on your show? Uh, if you do PR in Denver for long enough, if you do it for like 10 years, you will build a massive Rolodex. You will just, there will be people that you know and you don't know why. So as I was talking to you, Brad, actually about getting this started, I go, I'm like, okay, so who could my potential guest be? And I just started making lists of people I knew of who who did all sorts of different things. And basically it's from uh, doing PR in Denver for the last 10 years, man. And if you do a good show, people will refer you. And so I've, uh, you know, through Jason Calloway, who owns Rooster and Moon Coffee Pub down in like the Golden Triangle, he said, you got to talk to Brandy Shigley. And so I talked to Brandy Shigley, Brandy Shigley, and she's like an entrepreneur and a fashionista and does like fashion Denver and do what you love workshops. And so by virtue of talking to people, they will introduce you to other people, which is awesome. So the interviews have just kept on coming. I got three of them in the can now. I met someone at 48-Hour Film Project. We're going to talk about his film. Um, yeah, so basically interviews beget other interviews. And also just by virtue of doing PR in Denver, I know a shitload of people. Nice. nice. Do you have a like an interview that you don't expect to ever get, but you like if if this takes you in that path, like, is there one you're kind of in the back of your mind gunning for? Who would I love to talk to? Yeah. Or just in, like, is, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Tough question. I think one of the ultimate interviews I'd like to get would be Dana White, who is uh, president of UFC. Hmm. Cause that guy is always on the go, always thinking about his brand and has created a product that I happen to enjoy. And he's interesting and he drops a shitload of F-bombs. <laughs> so it'd be a totally like, interesting interview. I, just, I find him to be a very interesting personality because sometimes he'll even shit on his own talent, which is weird. And I go, you're the boss of this company, dude. You're shitting on your own employees. And I like to talk about that a little bit. Nice. He's an interesting guy. But I'll talk to, I'll talk to fucking anyone. Um, I just... I love interviewing people. I love chatting with people. I love making connections with people. When you guys were on my show, you talked about how you like being out there and people look to you guys for you know your reviews on movies and stuff. I love sort of allowing people to peer through a keyhole that they otherwise might not be able to. And that's what I love about long-form interviews too because you go in directions wherever it's going to go and it allows you to digress where needed and... The interviews never go exactly as I plan them to go. So, like, when I talked to this dietician, we ended up talking about dialysis a lot. And I knew nothing about dialysis, but I found it just interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about with um, Jason Heller, who writes for the Onion AV Club. We were talking about punk rock, but we also started talking about just how do you survive as an inspiring writer. And that segued into talks about mental health and depression. So you never know, like what's inside of people until you ask and if you ask the right question people will give you interesting shit mm. it's fantastic i love that you're doing this podcast because like in the movie and tv world uh tv would have you believe that the only professions that exist in the world are doctors lawyers cops and people who own like retail stores <laughs> in retail yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and like when i was getting out of high school trying to figure out like what i wanted to do with my life yeah. i was like 
I don't know what else there is beyond that. Like, I know that there's people like making decent livings off of the, like these job titles that you would never hear anyone ever proclaim about. So the fact that you're digging into all these different professions oh, and yeah. going behind, it's like it's amazing that I'm learning like th- these things exist. Dude, there's so many jobs out there, and people don't know that. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you know what you want to be, right? You have a dream. Well, great. Okay, what does it take to get there? Mm-hmm. You know, what what types of work? You know, what? Let's say you want to work on Wall Street. You know, so uh, which I don't think anyone in this room does. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Whoa, you're jumping to an awful quick conclusion there, sir. Yeah, sorry to cast any aspersions. Do on you really want to wear a suit and like yes. nine to five down? If it's like Gordon Gecko, I'm down. <laughs> that sounds perfect. Um, get the steak tartare. It's not do on a the bunch menu. of coke off of strippers' <laughs> assholes, and we call that the Leo. Usually we do it off the hip bones, but um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you can do it off the asshole too. I don't care. I, hey, your business is your business. But um, you know, what did you do? Like, what steps did you take to get where you are, and what helps you to be continually successful? My first ever interview was with a guy who's won three lifetime achievement awards in PR, and he started out doing movies. Like, he was promoting movies, and he told me this uh, this really funny story that I wish he would have gone into more detail on the show, but. Um, he talked about doing the Denver premiere for Star Wars. Well, he went from doing that to doing the Rocky Mountain Arsenal. Like, and how do you clean that up? And that's a super fun site. So he made the transition from doing movies to more like natural resources issues based advocacy. And yeah, we talked about how that facilitated because everyone's career goes, it, it's never a straight line. And so talking about the journey is just endlessly fascinating to me. Very cool. Thanks for being on our show, John. Happy to be here. I'm, hey, I got, I got an excuse to go see The Expendables. Yeah, <laughs> so... Uh, Not to spoil. Yeah, so every week we go see a new movie, and we podcast our experience to the world. This week we saw The Expendables 3, starring Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Randy Couture. Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. Jet Li. Jet Mel Lee. Gibson. Mel, Mel Gibson. Gibson. For the first time in forever. Well, since Machete well, Kills. Yeah, unless you saw Machete Kills. Oh, Machete Kills. <laughs> and I think and me, and Brad, Beaver, right? yeah, me and Brad are the only ones who saw Machete Kills. So. <laughs> How um, was it? I actually kind I, of enjoyed it. Did it, you enjoy it? It's, it's not the... It, it's one of those schlocky type movies. You guys hated it, but I was like... I, I saw the merit of it a little bit. I like Mel Gibson in it. It wasn't as polished as in the vein of that genre as right. machete was i saw the first machete and when that when the female character at the very beginning pulled the cell phone out of her cooch <laughs> i go this is a special kind of movie i'm watching here <laughs> i was actually more interested in the machete kills again in space yeah i want to see that more than i want to see machete kills again because <laughs> there's it's, they kind of went back to the same stuff like and then space one's just like way out there in the vein of like father's day and, yeah it's wow yeah. father's day shit yeah it's, I rewatched Hobo with a Shotgun. I forgot to tell you a few weeks ago. It's better the second time watching it. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. That movie's awesome. Yeah. How many more of these movies from you know uh, from Grindhouse are they going to make? Are they ever going to make Don't? <laughs> we, I hope so. Yeah, well, hope. Edgar Wright's looking for a project, so <laughs> perfect. I, he's, I think he's filming something. I forget. I skipped over it because I didn't care because it didn't sound interesting. But I'm sure he'll make it interesting. Yeah. Uh, we also do box office numbers. What's coming out on Blu-ray? Fuck DVD and movie news and stuff like that. So we're a movie podcast. Uh, so it would be a little against what you do, John. So you're going to sit back and enjoy the movie magic. I'm going to bask in your voices. Oh, I love it. Uh, usually we do a, a section called Real News, but I'm going to change it this week um, because we lost somebody who was a big part of my childhood. 
an uh, icon of an the icon industry. industry. So this is going to be a special memorial service. Insert some sort of thing right now. No, 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 no. I don't know what Brad's going to put in there, but maybe it's something. It was cool. great. Are you doing yeah. like a produced piece for that? Uh, <laughs> uh, a lifted piece from somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever Brad finds. Also, this is just a clip of him saying Nanu Nanu. Yeah, Nanu yeah. Nanu or something. Uh, yeah, in horrible news. Robin Williams died this week. Well, didn't just die. Well, he died. He killed himself. Yeah. He, well, he killed himself, but he died. Um, and it really got me thinking. I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of some of his movies, but I can't deny a lot of his movies left a huge mark on my childhood, whether it's Hook, um, Mrs. Doubtfire, Aladdin, um, Dead Poet Society. Uh, I'm even going to reach in the well. I'm going to say Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, just, it's just so sad. And uh, I mean, the biggest thing that you have to take from this is depression can hit even the funniest people in the world. And, and I think especially so. Because yeah. to be funny is to see something worth commenting on in the world and either pointing it out or trying to make it better, you know? And yeah. so you carry that with you. I think when you're funny, you're almost more sensitive to that type of thing. I, I think you're right, and that's a great segue, John. Here's um, Robin Williams self-deprecating himself for looking like a monkey uh, when he meets that really famous monkey that does sign language. Oh, Coco the Coco Coco the, the monkey, yes. Uh, so this is from his live on Broadway stand-up routine. And it, it's really funny. Here's him making fun of himself meeting this, this ape. Because there is only one animal who can tell you if she is happy and wants to mate. That is Coco the silverback gorilla. And she saw me, the blue-eyed simian. She was intrigued. She said to her trainer... And I went, what does that mean? She wants you to tickle her. Okay, I tickle her. She's, oh, oh, oh. Okay. Then she goes, what does that mean? She wants you to lift your shirt. I lift my shirt. She reaches out and grabs both my nipples. And when an 800-pound gorilla's got you by the tits, you listen. And then a fun thing happened, because my balls went, somebody wants to play. Shall we go to phase two? No, do not go to phase two. I repeat, do not go to liftoff. This may feel like a human, but notice the placement of the thumbs. This is not a human. Do not go to phase two. Warning, warning. But she must have sensed something, because she grabs me by the hand, starts to take me in the back, and it's like Doctori meets deliverance. And... I'm expecting the crocodile hunter to walk out and go, Oh, crikey! She wants to fuck his brains out! Watch out, boys and girls! Danger, danger, danger! This could be like that time I put my finger in a croc's cloaca. Bad, bad news! But part of me went, Could be fun. Make a great story for a bar. Guys are going, I had a wild night in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Well, I banged a gorilla. <laughs> Where's everybody going? <laughs> and you don't want that late night phone call like, ring, hello. Call <laughs> me. <laughs> so, so just touching on your point is he's just yeah. making fun of himself for uh, yeah. how hairy he is. And I think 
it's it's a sad fact because whether it's Chris Farley, where uh, I read this wonderful biography about him, which it was basically a biography where it's just interviewing all his friends and family. And, oh, I read that one, the Chris Farley yeah, show. Yeah, it's a wonderful biography. Yeah, great book. It's like an oral history. Almost. It is. You're yeah. right. And uh, it's one of my favorite biographies just because it's what people see of him. No matter how many times people told him he was funny or he was great, he never loved himself. Yeah. And Robin Williams, it's a different in that I don't think he didn't love himself. He just could never get past his depression. And it it helped him in his roles and it's so weird to see somebody who is so depressed that he kills himself when you read a story from Disney that says the Aladdin screenplay couldn't be nominated for Best Original Screenplay because Robin Williams improvised so many lines as a genie, so they couldn't give credit to it. Wow. Um, and it, it just... Uh, oh, no. It, it's just... It's interesting. It You know, it really broke my heart. There, the, the sad thing is, no matter what Robin Williams movie you saw, which... He, unfortunately, and I, I blogged about this a little bit on the John of All Trades site. So if you go to the site, it's johnofalltrades.us slash Robin. Um, I had to hold back from talking about Patch Adams because I fucking hate that movie. I do too. Um, I, I think it's cloying and terrible. And I feel the same way about What Dreams May Come where a lot of people I like that movie that and I can't stand it. So I like it. <laughs> but the thing about it is no matter what role it was, you always saw tenderness and innocence yeah. behind Robin Williams's eyes. And I think... When you put that in contrast to some of the madcap stuff he would always be doing, it, it really it, it painted a picture of, of such a unique man. And you got a real in-depth and poignant look at someone's humanity anytime mm-hmm. you looked at Robin Williams. And sometimes I think he would overplay that, like in the movie Jack, which mm-hmm. is just like a huge bowl of syrup to eat. But, you know, whereas something like Mrs. Doubtfire... You know, he would be zany one minute and then very sad the next. And you go, okay, this is a man who is feeling very deeply. And it manifests both in some extreme over-the-top comedy and also just some very sincere pathos. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I don't know. I, yeah, it, it, I agree. it is very sad. And, and something with... Uh, I, I love Goodwill Hunting. And yeah. he never overplays in Goodwill Hunting. And I think that's why he's so effective in it. Yeah. And so even... But in a... A movie that he overplays it, but then he's really great is The Good Morning Vietnam, where he's this radio DJ, and he's right. out of control, and he's boisterous. And then he has these moments outside of when he's not in that booth that really speak to him as an actor. Um, and it's just sad. I, I feel the same way. Um, and I think about when I was writing the piece about Robin Williams, I was trying to think about what my favorite movies of his were. And I had forgotten he was in The Birdcage, even though I love The Birdcage. And anytime I get together with my parents and we're watching The Birdcage, we're having a good time. And I go, okay, cool. Like, The Birdcage is on. I forget it's Robin Williams, though, because he integrates in that ensemble so well. And when he's paired next to Nathan Lane, who is playing it way over the top, you know, he gets some really sly moments. Who's ironically gay. (laughs) (laughs) Oddly enough. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, for instance, that moment when Gene Hackman's telling that long, boring fucking story about driving from... I think it's Ohio down to Florida and it's just like death and Robin Williams comes in and he's so right. He goes, I'm sorry. Was that my wife? I'm sorry. I was just so caught up in the Senator's story and you're watching him and you go, look at him. Like he's, he's dialing it back so well and it makes him that much funnier because you're going, this is Robin Williams and look at how polite he's trying to be in this social situation. It's just a much different take on that. And I think it's brilliant. 
Brad, favorite Robin Williams moment? Yeah, I was trying to think that moment. Or, or whatever. Okay. <laughs> um, I know your memory shit, so. Yeah, uh, I, I was thinking early this week, like, what is my favorite movie? I don't think I have, like, a favorite Robin Williams movie um, that's, like, really connected with me on the level that I, like, love other movies. But um, Hook is up there. I do like What Dreams May Come. Uh, Death to Smoochie is an underrated one. Very underrated. Yeah. That I love a lot. It's, um, that movie's that movie's just pitch dark. Yeah. Great. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, every time he was in a movie, he was doing fantastic work. So You know, even his darker roles, Insomnia, One Hour Photo, yeah. you know, you can see him yeah. being a... a I've seen a The World According actor. to Garp. Like, mm-hmm. that's like one of his lesser... And I... I That's first got introduced to him on Nick at Night through Mork and Mindy, and that like was yeah, always I fun that to too. watch. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it was always fun yeah, to watch him. So it's just sad. It, yeah. It's interesting uh, when you think about you know when someone dies and they're in the field that he's in that you just realize that he has this impact on what you do and you don't even realize it you know because yeah. you, you'd always count on whether it's a night at the museum no matter what you think about the night at the museum you can always count on him giving a good performance and uh sometimes you take that for granted and now that we won't get any more except for night of the museum three yeah. oh, he's got like three more in the can i think yeah, yeah. it's night museum three merry friggin christmas and one other one i don't remember though yeah uh, oh god he's in like other good stuff like the fisher king and awakenings yeah. He was awesome on that. Uh, it was either Law and Order SVU yes. or Homicide mm. Life on the Street. It's SVU. It's a, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's just he's creepy and wonderful on it. And you go, whoa, this guy is fucking terrifying in this. And Insomnia is really good too. I liked Insomnia. Yeah, that's Nolan. Yeah, that's yeah, that's early wild. Nolan. Early Nolan remaking a movie. Yeah, <laughs> really. Pacino and yeah, Robin Williams together. Come I think on it was now. originally a Swiss movie. It's in French, the Criterion. French. It's, French. it's in the Criterion collection, like the original. Um. The really, director's like a scars guard or something, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, I really like uh, Pacino in that movie because he's both exhausted and totally wired. Mm-hmm. And so, when paired against a very conniving Robin Williams, it, the dynamic in that movie is just—it's almost like you can feel it in the air more than anything else. It's hard yeah. to describe. It's no, just you're right. The atmosphere in that movie—you go, I am so uncomfortable here, and I can't figure out exactly why. It's awesome. You're right. Um, so yeah, and usually too we do a comic book this week, but I'm going to change it too. Cool. Um, I was I was reading a little bit about Robin Williams and some things I didn't know. Um, one, he has a daughter, and his daughter's well, he has three kids. Uh, he does. Yeah. Uh, but his one of his daughters' name is Zelda, and he yeah. named her after the Legend of Zelda. And so now I'm going to recommend a Legend of Zelda game for you to play. Um, and of course I'm going to go into the the well that everybody knows, and everyone's going to say, oh, I can't believe you picked this one. But I'm going to tell you to pick uh, The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker on the Wii U, the HD remake. It's fantastic and beautiful. Or the GameCube version. Or the GameCube. Um, It's it's just beautiful. Um, And just go out and enjoy it and see why Robin Williams loved this game series so much. In fact, he's in a couple commercials for Nintendo uh, talking about why he named his daughter Zelda. Um, So instead of a comic book this week, I'm going to recommend everybody go pick up the Wii U or the GameCube version of Wind Waker. Um, it's beautiful, and it's one of those stories that's so well told. And what love, I love about Nintendo Zelda games is you feel Link's emotions without him ever saying a word. Yep. Uh, you know, at the beginning of that game, when you're talking to your grandmother and she's upset because your sister got kidnapped and you have to go save her, and when he meets Ganon for the first time, it's just... 
wonderful. And I have so many great memories with those games. To this day, I still play it. And as I play, I make the noises that Link makes. So when I get hit, I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my wife is so funny. She came out and I was playing it and she said, you know, the game makes those noises too. I <laughs> said, so they do, but get out of here. Yeah! <laughs> it's kind of like singing along though. Right? I mean, yeah. Uh, I know that Springsteen can sing this. I'm going to sing it with him, goddammit. Yeah, so. because you're, hey, you were born to run. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, pick up The Legend of Zelda, Wind Waker, um, or The Ocarina of Time, if you... Yeah, The Ocarina of Time is the pinnacle. It is the pinnacle, yeah. if you want to go for the yeah. one that everybody loves. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, you should play the one that everybody should love. And you can get, get that on N64, uh, 3DS. Mm-hmm. Um, you can download it from the Nintendo eStore. Yeah. So nice. no matter available. what video game Nintendo system you have, you can get it. Um, the Ocarina. Ocarina. I think it's Ocarina. Ocarina. It's like Macarena. My, my uh, voicemail. <laughs> Except not at all. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> my voicemail uh, like alert is when you call for Epona is because I love that. And then you hear over the hill and you jump on the horse and you run through the fields. Who doesn't love The Legend of Zelda? This all happens on your phone? In my mind it does, but I just hear the song. Okay. And the, that, the song is in real life. The, yeah, the, the song's in real mine. life. The rest of it is I close my eyes and I see blocks from the N64. <laughs> Those wonderfully smooth, rendered. Smooth over textures. <laughs> smooth over textures. I wish my head worked that way. <laughs> yeah. When uh, when you only get like two or three hours of sleep because you're... Speaking of... Is your wife like really hot at night? Oh my gosh, dude. My wife is my so... My wife's really hot all the time. Yes. Nice. <laughs> nice. Not my wife. No, she's always cold. Um, but my wife, I got, she was usually like really cold. Yeah. Like her, her butt was always cold. Her hands were always cold. Her nose is always cold. Right. But since she's been pregnant, dude, like heat radiates off of her. And I'm like, fuck this. <laughs> and I go out and I, I come on the, I have a really a funny story about my wife being pregnant. I, I let her go to sleep a couple hours before me because she gets really bitchy if I don't. Right. So she, she went to sleep one night, like a few days ago. And I was out here till like three in the morning and I went in and I had to wake up at eight. And so I go in and I lay down and then my dog Reggie comes up and sleeps right next to me. I'm like, fuck. And my wife is just radiating heat. So I'm like, fuck this. So I went out and I slept on the couch. And then at five thirty in the morning, I got up and I went, and I took a shower and I came out. My wife was awake and she was on her phone. And I said, what are you doing? She's like, oh, you kept me up all night from fucking snoring. I was like, the dog was next to you. I wasn't even in the room. <laughs> and then I just do this. I'm sorry. In my head, I know what's really going on. Right. And her pregnancy brain, she's all bitchy. No, nah, my wife started getting like super warm just recently. Yeah. Actually, she was cold for the first part of her pregnancy. By the way, Brad, you didn't know we were going to talk about this on uh, Bob. I know. I didn't realize this was a real uh, pregnancy nerds podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, totally. I'll just sit and watch. <laughs> um. But, yeah, she was cold. We thought it was going to be a boy, and then, sure enough, it was a girl. And mm-hmm. I go, oh, well, that makes sense why you've been so fucking cold. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I'm a goddamn furnace. Like, yeah, I, I, I radiate heat. and so you now, na- Thank you. <laughs> and so now it's nice because, you know, she used to, like, bundle up the covers and just, con- like, and it was so hot, and I'd always kick them off in the middle of the night. Now we're both kicking them off, and I go, yeah, fucking A, this is how we're going <laughs> to sleep from now on. <laughs> Um, it's not going to last. No. Um, but, yeah, if it were up to me, I'd probably sleep in a meat freezer. Yeah, you'd me too. And I think it's towards the third trimester when my wife started getting, yeah. like, really hot. And I read on 
online that it's because they're metabolizing for two people, so they're that much warmer. Yeah. So look forward to that, Brad. Um, <laughs> what's next? Uh, we'll do two steps in between there, though, Brad. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking. <laughs> Just make sure you deposit your seed into their vagina cavity. Getting a girl to respond to anything I do. Wait, is that yeah, how it works? That's the first step. Well, you can. Or yeah. you can jerk off and come into your hand and then just stick it in them, and uh, you're good to go. Just do it. Hang out on the street. Wait for someone to come by. Yeah. Hey, I think how that's you doing? how Joseph and Mary did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally how they did it. That seems logical. Very. That's real offensive. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, that was my Robin Williams that's moment. Robin Williams no, no, it wasn't. <laughs> yes. That, that ends the Robin Williams moment. I want you to think about that. That's a Robin Williams, Williams comedy <laughs> bit that I just stole from him. Um, hey, this is the number one movie of the year. Shell Shock. This is the box office stats. Remember when you got hit in the Turtles arcade game and you died and they'd like blink and go, Shell Shock. Yeah, or just say game over. Yeah. Uh, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was the number one movie of the week at $65 million. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's already the second highest grossing turtle movie of all time. And it's getting a sequel approved, so. It is, and I How can tell you. How excited are you, Brad? Uh, it was so mediocre. Like, I heard that the sequel they're finally going to tackle what I thought they should have tackled in this movie. Okay. So, which is, if they're going to embrace the 80s cartoon show, put Bebop and Roxady in it. Oh, and badass. Introduce Dimension X. Because my thing was like... Is that like Krang? In Krang, yeah. And yeah. the rock soldiers and the neutrinos, all that. Yeah, just be goofy. Yeah, like because you have CGI now. So like back in the day, uh, the first three movies, it made sense to make it all about the original comics, which was like real ninjas and yeah. uh, more down-to-earth stories. And that, like now you have CGI. So you could just adapt the cartoon yeah. like everyone seems to want. Um, I want the comic books adapted more. but They yeah. want it's too dark. Yeah. That Nickelodeon Well, Kevin so Eastman, popular. when they did this one, said they were going to... Go dark, then of course that was bullshit. Dude, they got so. shot with adrenaline. Why? Why is there yeah, adrenaline in that in that chamber? I still never figured that like, out. Yeah, we're gonna. These machines are also gonna have something to save them at the same <laughs> yeah. time. I never figured that part. We're out. trying to kill them, but you know, might as well have a backup thing to. It's already made a hundred million dollars. Though I was looking at it over the week, it's holding pretty well. That's fine. I mean, um, people like garbage. So <laughs> I know that Transformers Four. Is it weird that I didn't want to see it because I thought the turtles were fucking weird looking? No. I feel like you you have prejudices you need to deal with. <laughs> um. it, it is. It is. I will say it is off-putting a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised it, they got as much, like, kids out for those yeah. like, grotesque-looking right. turtles. Yeah. I mean, the, the the details are cool, but it's just weird. Yeah. Because I'm so used to them, I don't know. Looking more amphibian. Yeah, exactly. As human as they are in this. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, I pictured the Jim Henson version. Yeah. Which, like, I feel like those look like the comics, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And it is it is jarring. And then um, every time Leonardo talked, I just kept on him saying, I'm Leonardo, and I'm a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> wom, wom, wom. Yeah. Um, yeah, they should just get regular voice actors, because I don't know why they don't. Wasn't Leonardo Johnny Knoxville? Yeah, yeah that's what we're saying. It's like, yeah, it's so waiting it's for Leonardo. So like, and now we're going to oh, blow yeah, my I dick off. I get what you're saying now. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm here. This is Donatello, and he's on rocket poop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is, but that's all, all I can think of. But um, it's a Paramount movie, so obviously Paramount, Jackass, they're all in the same Yeah. Company, sure. He probably so. has, like, a contract with them or yeah. some or shit Or he just like said, that. like, hey, you know, I want my kid, like, to be in an Ninja Turtles movie for my kids, so put me in it. And they're like, sure, why not? We need, like, some kind of star power in the voice acting, because <laughs> sure. you can't do a kid's movie without famous voice actors, apparently, unless you're Pixar. Yeah. Mm. 
anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, good for the movie, I guess. Maybe they'll make the second one better. Yeah, I'm hope. I just yeah use CGI to its potential. It just didn't utilize the potential that it had in this Hope first one. It, it was lazy, huh? Hope <laughs> springs eternal, right? Yep. yep. Oh, so poignant. That's me. Spider senses are tingling. These are the movies that are coming out on Blu-ray next week. DVD releases and Blu-rays. You know why I said that, guys? Because guess what's coming out on Blu-ray next week? The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is coming out on Blu-ray next week. Are you going to get the uh, complete 3D edition? I, I am. I did look, though, that Target's getting its own special edition again. And the cover's cooler. It's Spider-Man hanging on the side of the Osborne building. But uh, I'm kind of against a Sinister Six movie. And this bonus disc is Origins of the Sinister Six. So I don't know if I need to watch it. Hmm. Maybe if someone else buys a Target version, I can borrow buy that disc off of them or something. And then once they're done with the uh, new trilogy or whatever, are you going to get the throw those out and just of course, the yeah. of course, bro. and just start over again, right? Totally. Maybe I'll go back to MJ like every other fucking Spider-Man uh, mythology, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think she is going to show up. It's unfortunate. <laughs> um, what else we got? We have Boardwalk Empire season four. Anybody watch that? Boardwalk uh, Empire. I am now getting into season four because. I lost the thread of it last year because I got too busy, but I'm re-catching up now on Netflix. I think I'm only two episodes deep. It's nice. on Netflix? Yeah. Uh, no, sorry. HBO On Demand. Oh, okay. Or Amazon Prime. I was like, if it was on Netflix, I'd watch it. Um, NCIS is on its 11th season. <laughs> Who knew? Um, Toy Story of Terror is a Toy Story movie that's coming out as well. Um, Parks and Recreation, season six. Leviathan, the Blu-ray. Um, by Scream Factory, so it should be fun. Oh, you should get that Electro no, head thing. No, there is a limited edition Amazon exclusive Electro bust of the Spider-Man 2, and it's ugly. I'm not getting So that. if you want a creepy blue head sitting on your shelf all the time. <laughs> then, then you got it. Uh, Jarhead 2. I didn't know they could make a sequel to Jarhead. Who knew? Um, oh, Flintstones on Blu-ray. John Goodman's Flintstones. All right. Oh, thank God. Finally. <laughs> I, everybody's waiting for it. I always scroll down because when James does this, sometimes he forgets to like look at good ones. But I think we might be out. Oh, you know what? Since we did news already, I forgot to mention that um, um, it's kind of like news slash DVD. Um, they're making a new Samurai Cop. Oh, yeah, Samurai that's Cop right. 2, and they uh, directly messaged us to promote it on the show. Um, they have a Kickstarter campaign. Um, I think you can just go to Kickstarter, uh, search for Samurai Cop 2. And mm-hmm. you guys still haven't seen the first Samurai Cop. I know. I thought we were going to have a party. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. So whenever you guys want to do that party, nice. let me know. Um, yeah. So they're making a... And uh, what's the name of the film company again? I'm sorry. Uh, Cinema Epoch. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, and yeah. So they they have a Kickstarter. They, I think they are almost at their goal. So make sure that you check them out on Kickstarter and yeah. help yeah, There's some good perks like yeah. get the first and second movie on when it comes out. That's the perk I like is when you donate, you get the final product. Yeah. Yeah, that's so. nice. And hey, if we're doing news, uh, I'm hosting Open Screen Night coming up August. That's 26th. right. Yeah, <laughs> nice. So uh, at the Oriental Theater, 8 p.m. Is that right? Uh, if you want to submit something, come at seven to eight. Uh, that's the window to submit. Uh, it's five bucks whether you're submitting or just, just watching. Yeah. And then eight o'clock is when we start the screening. So that's right. And I'll be hosting this week. That's right. Or this month rather. Nice. This month, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm excited about it. Are you submitting anything, Brad? I am. I'm going to submit our 48 hour film. Yes. Because, uh, if you have a 40, 48 hour film, you can submit that for free. So oh, that's awesome. I'll make sure to plug that on my show too. Awesome. Um, because yeah, your, your 48 
It was a runner-up fan choice. Yeah, we uh, almost made it to audience award. <laughs> yeah, which um, they gave it to that violin one, which I thought was good, but I don't know. Your, yours was funnier. Brad loved it. He loves sucking dick of independent films that are shitty. <laughs> well, they're all independent. <laughs> I know. I said independent <laughs> films that are shitty. It's not shitty. It, it was, wasn't shitty. Yeah. Fuck you, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, this guy went there and saw it. He knows what he's talking about. He yeah, wasn't at I home can tell you. A violin. Appeasing his wife. <laughs> yeah. A violin silent movie sounds shitty. I want things to blow up. Is it like, I think they filmed it at the Union Station yeah. um, and Lanny's Clock Tower. Yeah. And it's like, it was shot beautifully. Yeah. The only thing everyone complains about is the violin music didn't match up with him. At, but I think it was with a the way purpose. he was pantomiming the. I think it was a purposeful choice. Like it wasn't supposed to because um, That's what they it was a soundtrack to, to the story rather than what was actually ah, happening on screen. Interesting. So, um, well, if you were going to do that, wouldn't you choose like another instrument then? I mean, <laughs> it, yeah, I guess. Like yeah. because the the way they did it, it just looked like it was poor syncing. Yeah, yeah, but it's forty eight hours. I mean, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Pass. So yeah. anyway, but congrats on being the runner up, man. Yeah, that thanks. Was cool. Good job, Brad. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll make it the best of screening in September and. Maybe get some awards. Sweet. I hope you do. I always do it to make cool stuff, but it would be nice to have like something to announce to people. Like, yeah, they do do good work because someone else thinks so. Yeah. Hey, we're a two-time runner-up at Screen Night. Yeah, that's right. We, we, we got two awards. This, we have the certificate for I that. I judged one of those. You did. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm excited to see you run that show. It'll be yeah. fun. It's going to be great, man. Um, Come out, Oriental Theater, Tuesday, August 26th. Very cool. What's next, Ryan? Um, fuck you, that's what, no, I'm just kidding. This is the stuff we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. John, you're the guest. Why don't you talk about what you've been watching? Okay, so the two things that immediately come to mind are, uh, I recently saw for the first time Cabin in the Woods. Nice. Which was badass. Uh, it's seriously one of my favorite movies I've seen in a very long time. Nice. I'm assuming. Did you guys go see that as part of, of the course. show? I got to re-listen to that episode now. Yeah, it's a great movie. Um, yeah, I. It's it's so funny and like it's it, like it's funny and scary and violent and just There's Bradley Whitford and it. Richard Jenkins like chew the you know chew the scenery. It's fucking great, man. I I was watching it at home by myself and. Um, I didn't really know what to expect. I went in pretty cold, which mm-hmm. I think was that's what you need to do with that movie. Probably a key thing yeah. there. Um, but yeah, I loved it. I mean, what did you guys think of it when you when you first saw it? Oh yeah, it's it's definitely a unique movie. Again, it's a very big I, Joss Whedon fan anyway. Yeah, I'm a huge Joss Whedon fan already. Uh, but again, I love movies. I talked about this on your show that take the idea of what you expect from the movie, right. and changes it just enough where it's still recognizable fresh and unique and this movie definitely does that well yeah it's kind of like it works in the same way that a movie like the princess bride works yeah and that exactly. it's sending up the genre while still sort of being uh, a worthy addition to the canon of that genre. oh yeah i agree so yeah it, it works like in in two fronts and so it was both scary and it was both like hey look how ridiculous all this shit is right yep. and it had its own sort of weird mythology so i Obviously, I don't want to talk plot for anyone who hasn't seen it, even though it's like two years old. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, man, that that movie was killer. the uh, The other thing I've been watching, I just finished up uh, both seasons of Orange Is the New Black. Hmm. Have you guys seen that yet? No, I, I keep on meaning to because I heard it's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I really dig it. I didn't so much like Weeds, which is what Genji Cohen did like previous to this, but the way they piece together this ensemble and the way the characters are both recognizable as archetypes. And I read a review of it, 
one of the things that was interesting to me is they managed to humanize characters without making them likable. So, like, even if you're supposed to not like this character, right? They're just bad people in this universe. But you understand them better. And so this show has empathy going in all directions, which I really like. Because you go, holy shit, like, they're fully drawn characters. And it's not just people doing things for the sake of the plot like I feel like the last seasons of Dexter did where you're watching it and you're going, no one would ever fucking do that. No one would ever behave that way. Whereas this, they've drawn these characters so well to where even the smallest characters go, um, you know, they'll, they'll do something or say something and you go, oh, I fucking get it. And it makes sense. And the way they piece it all together, because it's a massive ensemble. I mean, it's a women's prison. Um, is just, it sucks you in. It's, it's great. Season two was even better than season one. Very cool. Yeah. So I, I those are my two things. big additions, I would say. Nice. Brad? My turn? Um, I don't have a lot this week, and I want to keep it short because the only thing is I did watch were the first two Mighty Ducks movies. <laughs> <laughs> Good. The Flying V. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, I was, I was busy this week, so I was I, I mostly, like, rewatched reruns of things, but I got to the Netflix queue, and I was like, you know what I haven't seen? And it was, like, right there in, like, the recommends. It's like, I haven't seen these since the 90s, and they'll be short and easy to watch, and I can work at the same time. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, there's not much to say about him. I mean, well, uh, I, I, I keep thinking, uh, Gord, like in my head, I keep saying Gordon Shumway instead of Gordon Bombay, <laughs> which is an Alf reference. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what were you say? Uh, I was going to say that um, I like watching Mighty Ducks too because it reminds me that I need to hate Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> On the jerseys that spelled like I S, like Island. Yeah, no. What's up with that? I I, I didn't no figure idea. that out. I, obviously, I guess because they didn't want to piss off the actual Iceland, so they spelled it. The the evil nation of Iceland. Yeah. So it's fantastic. I know our biggest enemies. <laughs> they really are uh, in the special games, <laughs> special yeah. hockey games. Yeah. The uh, what do they play? Like the Goodwill games. Goodwill games. That's right. Yeah. yeah the, the thing I never got was how did this dipshit team from Minnesota that was not good. You know, except for Banks, which they poached because of a redistricting thing. Yeah. I remember this with remarkable clarity. Which is way, <laughs> way too technical for a kid's movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, oh, my gosh. I remember that from the movie. Jesus. Um, that's wild. But um, how did this dipshit team end up, like, being the team to play in the Goodwill games? And then, and then they somehow ended up being not good in prep school in the third one. Yeah, I, I was. I didn't get to the third one because I don't think it's even on there. The third one is ass. Don't waste your time. Uh, but I did see it at some point. I just, yeah, they were in prep school, and I think uh, the first two movies make um, what's the uh, the Josh Jackson character like Charlie? Charlie, like well, how he do you remember that shit. He's he's <laughs> admirable, amazing. but he can't know. play well enough that he eventually just kind of becomes like a coach. Yeah, and then um, he's good in the third. Yeah, one. Yeah, he's good in the third one. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, he's he's a huge pain in the ass in those movies. <laughs> Charlie, yeah. dick, just such a gash. Just like, <laughs> like I don't have a real dad. So it's like, really get over it. You're yeah, playing, you're playing ice hockey. <laughs> Man up, kid. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Rub some dirt on it. So, but yeah, they're they're still kind of fun to watch, and um, I mean, they're very a product of their time. Yeah, I really like when they add that kid who looks like he's like twenty eight. Yeah, uh, in the Reed? second movie. Yeah, no, no, not oh. Reed. The uh, the other one. Oh, the Bash Brothers. Yeah, yeah. the other Bash Brother. Yeah, what's his name? Who? Forget. I rem- I remember everything else about this movie. I know, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I can't remember this kid's name. Uh, Dean, maybe Dean something. I think it might have been Dean. Yeah. Um, I can't remember, but yeah, that kid. You're like, holy shit, look at this kid. He looks like he's bouncing a club. John, just be honest. You own the DVDs. You watch them every week. I fall asleep to them. Yeah. I, I, I record the audio, and I put it on <laughs> where the headphones at night. And, 
yeah, my wife goes, you need to, you need to stop this. And I go, never. <laughs> you know what? Quack, quack, <laughs> quack, quack, quack. Yeah. Stop right trying to face. stifle me, woman. Nice. Love it. Yeah. yeah. That's it for me. That's it? Well, I finally, after weeks of teasing, uh, watched all four of the Next Generation movies. Um, oh, it's about time. Sorry, James. Yeah, Suck sorry, it. James. I was going to save it because James wasn't here, but I'm, fuck it. Yeah. I've been I've been teasing people. I've been I've been flicking the clitoris too long. Now it's time for insertion. Now it's time for me to explore the depths of Captain Jean Luc Picard and Riker and Jordy and um, the English chick that Riker marries. <laughs> What's the name of the English chick? Who's who Deanna does he Troy? English chick? Yeah, is she not English? I don't remember. We're talking about Deanna Troy. Yeah, yeah. sure. I guess she has an accent. Yeah. She does have an accent, right? Uh, I think she's actually Middle Eastern. And like her I life. don't know. Most of my Star Trek consumption happens no, in Greek. college. Is she? Yeah. I swear she has an accent, though. Yeah. It, I think she's Greek, though. Yeah. It used to just be on in my house in college, so I'd catch a lot of it by osmosis. So I can't remember. Um, but what I really want to know is what do you think of First Contact? Yeah. Really? I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll give you a description of the Next Generation movies to me, uh, for me. So it's like climbing a mountain. You know, when you start out, Generations is pretty good. You know, like, oh, I really like doing this. It's fun to go on this journey. It's cool seeing the two together. Then you reach uh, the summit where you're like, oh, man, this is so fucking awesome, which is First Contact. And, like, this is so great. And then you start coming down to Insurrection. Like, oh, you know, it's kind of fun coming down. And then by the time you get to uh, Nemesis, you're like, I just want this to fucking be over with. <laughs> um, Generations was lots of fun. Um, where I think First Contact is maybe my third favorite Star Trek movie. Nice. Is because it has a lot of energy to it. Behind which two? Uh, I like Wrath of Khan is oh, my yeah. favorite. And I'm tossed, I'm torn between four and six. Uh, um, I'll probably watch them both again. Um, is six Undiscovered Country? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I like four a lot. Yeah, four, me too. Wrath of Khan, for as great as it is, I have a soft spot for four. That's probably my favorite one. Yeah, Before I like I six myself because yeah. all this Shakespearean stuff. Oh yeah, that's that's pretty badass. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I was nervous watching uh, First Contact at the beginning because they're dealing with the Borgs, and I mean I knew he enough. He hasn't seen the show. Yeah, I've never seen the show. Oh, okay, but I know enough of the show that the look of Picard as a Borg is so iconic that I could kind of decipher what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um. But He's dealing I, with his rape. Exa- yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I really loved uh, Patrick Stewart in this movie. Mm. Uh, he's pretty badass. And watching it, it made me remember that the trailer where he's... That line that he says, the line must be drawn. Yeah! Is, he like, finally loses it. Yeah, yeah. it's so iconic. It's and like I, Peter Finch line, right? Yeah, yeah. and it's, yeah. it's... I just remember that line. And the scene where he's talking to... Uh, I forget the lady's name. It's Alfred Woodard. I forget her yeah. name. Yeah, uh, but that's such a great scene because he wants to be left alone because he wants to kill the Borgs for what they did, and she won't leave him alone. And uh, no, the movie's really well done, and I think it has an energy where it got rid of the weight of the original motion picture guys. Not that they're necessarily bad, but I think it kind of actually held back generations. They found their own footing. Yeah, I think it held back generations um, from being how cool first contact is and james cromwell as the scientist is great the the, the historic like uh revered icon you find yeah. out behind the curtain is actually just, just an insecure yeah. like drunkard exactly that the, the starfleet's built up over these years right. yeah. and i really liked Riker in it too uh in first contact um and I, I think it has one of the coolest effect shots in the whole series is when 
the Queen Borg is being lowered down like her mm. half body and she fits into her body is badass. Uh, the movie looks great yeah. uh, for, what, 96, I think? 96? Well, 95, and it came yeah. out in 96. But it's it shot so well, and it looks so good. And I I mean, I remember you talking about it, but I went back and I watched the special features, and I didn't know Jonathan Frakes actually directed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did the second, the next one, too. And Insurrection, I don't think it's that bad. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's different. It's, 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 it's like an extended, uh, bigger-budget version of an episode of the show. Yeah. I think maybe that's what's holding it back so much. And then Nemesis... I do like the Romulans. I really do. I think it's a cool idea. Um, it just feels really flat. Um, yeah, it's just a. It's like, it's trying to be to Wrath of Khan, but without. Yeah. Um, but without an iconic R- villain. Ricardo can, Montalban. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you don't. There's no charismatic villain there, so it's not. It's hard to latch on to. I think at that point, like they finally figured out, like they just looked at like Wrath of Khan and First Contact, whereas these uh, more stories about like us versus them. And then, like, since those were more profitable, they started, like, okay, well, we just got to put a villain against them every time. Where the charm of the first series mm-hmm. is it wasn't always, like, us versus them. They would, like, explore an idea. Yeah. And so I think after Insurrection didn't right. do well, they were like, well, exploring ideas doesn't make money. So let's just throw I think, villains I, I at I think them. you're right. Because, you know, scenes that shouldn't work in First Contact work amazingly well. The scene where they're all on um, the ship and the Borgs are making that weapon on the Enterprise... Yeah, the and, deflector dish. Yeah, yeah, and they're all sneaking around and trying to redo it. And it's actually really tense because they set up the rule of the Borgs, unless they perceive you as a threat, don't attack you. And so the Borgs look at them doing it, but they don't care until they start fucking with the computers. Mm-hmm. And then they start attacking them. And it's really well done. And it adds this layer of tension. And I didn't know Patrick Stewart was so ripped. Uh, <laughs> there's that part where he's fighting the Borg queen and he's like hanging and he's... Like holy shit, dude! <laughs> Action star, yeah, right. That's badass. Yeah. That, that's always fun too. I I always love when someone has something that you don't know. I've always wanted to like get really good at like martial arts and not tell anyone, <laughs> <laughs> and just like never use it. And then all of a sudden you're like you're in, like called upon. You're yeah. like at a bar or something, and all of a sudden someone like sidles up to your woman or something. And you just kick the shit out of them like with no no fucking effort and then just go back to your business and people go whoa what it just happened that's an episode of the Dick Van Dyke show right <laughs> it's there. an episode of the Dick Van Dyke show but <laughs> flipped well, well um, it's like um, but like with Patrick Stewart you go okay here's a guy who's ripped right but he doesn't need to you know be popping out of his t-shirts or yeah. anything and granted those uniforms aren't exactly the most flattering cut yeah. but yeah I was uh, and like the, the effects of the Borgs like melting away was awesome mm-hmm. And I, it's, I think it's the only PG-13 Star Trek movie, right? To that point. I well, think besides the new ones. The new ones. Yeah. Because right. there's that part where Worf hits that Borg and like blood like goes out all slow. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, kill that fucker. And he uses his hand to tie off his <laughs> yeah. spacesuit. Uh, so, such good like stuff in that movie. Uh, so I'm glad you liked it because I was like, cause it's, it's almost a zombie movie, a right? A little bit, yeah, yeah. Because what happens is is you get infected by them and then you become them. And, you know, th- the one thing I... I don't like about the next generations. I don't like the holodeck thing because I think it's dorky. Uh, I mean, in, in this huge battle with the Borgs, all of a sudden he has to set up that they go back to the 1940s and stuff. Well, because you haven't watched the show, like there's a bunch of episodes where Picard, like that's his recreation is he um, plays out like these detective novels. Mm. So I think he's, uh, okay. <laughs> he's yeah, detective Dixon in the show. And like, obviously the holodeck will fail and they get stuck in that story and mm-hmm. then to figure out how to, and then, like, uh, the safety controls go out, so there's actual peril. Um, okay. Uh, but see, that's, that, it's a nod that, to that. That, that. That's hard when you're a newbie and you've never yeah. watched the show. That's the only 
part of the movie that took me out. I mean, it was cool that he killed the Borgs with the Tommy gun, but, uh, you know. Yeah, but I think even she says, like, has, like, a hol- holographic bullet kill and stuff. and they Exactly. Have, they kind and of explain it, that. And, I mean, that helped me because in Generations, they don't explain why they're on that fucking ship at all. Which one? Uh, in Generations, they're on, like, the pirate ship. And they're sending, making people walk the plank and stuff. Oh, right, right, yeah. And they never explain. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I uh, look forward to realnerdspodcast.com. I will be ranking my Star Trek movies and doing a little um, saying about each one. Um, so, thank you. I didn't know I'd actually like them, and yeah. I do. Um, even uh, James said Nemesis is such a piece of shit. I actually kind of, I don't think it's that bad. It's just, I think, comparatively to the rest of the series, it's yeah, not very good. It doesn't match the same. It doesn't match the tone, and it makes some weird choices. Like, in the show, Data has a doppelganger called Lore. Yeah, and this one's I don't know why they made up a new one. Like, yeah. it would have been more fun to just have, find out that Lore came back. Because he does die in the series, but... See, I didn't you know that. I mean, back. I just knew that B4 was... Yeah, it just seems like a cop-out. Like, they didn't want to do... Yeah. I, it doesn't make sense why why you wouldn't do, just bring back lore. It's What's funny about Star Trek is I think it can look sort of impenetrable to people mm-hmm. because there's such a almost like a stigma with Star You're right. Trek fans. You're right. And where if you just go in sort of open minded and you go, okay, this is going to be a movie, right? This is going to be like a, a space like adventure movie. Um, you'll enjoy it because like the movies are just they're fun. They're like they're fucking great, and you don't. I mean, granted, in some cases, like with the holodeck, and you know, knowing his history as a 1940s, like, what was it, detective? Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't catch any of those um, <laughs> in my time watching Star Trek, but that will enhance your enjoyment, but it won't necessarily like totally ruin your experience if you don't understand the the entirety of the show. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I was that way because I was a Star Wars guy. Um. I love Star Wars, and you know, for. <laughs> As long as we've been doing the show, Brad's like, dude, fucking watch Star Trek. Do this. And I think Brad got me the right way. He showed me six first, which nice. you can still watch. And, yeah. I mean, you can get into it. And then we went to a midnight of Wrath of Khan. And then that actually got me so excited that the next day I went and bought that on Blu-ray. And I got four on Blu-ray. Oh, good. Um, and then I ended up buying the DVD set because I'm just like, fuck it. I'm going to watch all of them. And I actually enjoyed I I don't think there's a bad movie in them. I think there's some that are okay, but I don't think there's a bad one. Um, there's nothing unwatchable. No, no, not uh, at all. Like, no, you're right. Because, because you can the, still get past um, even uh, five, which isn't that good. I still love the interaction between Spock, Kirk, and Bones. I mean, I could yeah. watch that no, all, all day long. Um, three is kind of a slog for me, too. Really? Yeah. yeah I don't mind three. Uh, it's like, okay, yeah, we're we're looking for Spock. Just fucking find him already. <laughs> like, I, and it, yeah. that's me. The first one, the whole ships going through V'ger, like, and everyone's just kind of staring at the view screen for like 30 minutes. Right. Like, that's kind of tough, but... <laughs> it's still a good movie. I still think the first one's a good movie, But though. the reveal, like, it, the whole thing just being like this satellite that became sentient. And he, and he just wants people to like him, basically. <laughs> right. It's, it's great. Um, yeah. I, I only watched one more thing this week, and uh, I got... I, I'm a Harley Quinn fan, um, and they released a Blu-ray of uh, Assault on Arkham, which is taking the Batman Arkham Asylum games and putting it into DC universe form. Um, and I will say I'm shocked how good this movie is. Nice. Um, one, it's not really a Batman movie. I will make that right now, even though it's Batman Assault on a, uh, Arkham. It's a Suicide Squad movie where Harley Quinn is really the star of it and kind of dead shot it as well. It's shot really hyper. It's, it moves really quickly. Well, it's, it's animated. Yeah. and <laughs> But I mean, the it's... 
there's fight scenes where the camera's like moving like the Bourne movies though. Um, it's it's really fascinating. Um, Kevin Conroy plays Batman again, and what is really cool in it is it starts off as the Riddler is playing with uh, Amanda Waller, who is uh, I don't know what she is in the comics, but she's basically in charge of the government or something, black ops in the government, and so the Riddler is is fucking with her and. Um, she's going to kill him, but then Batman shows up and, like, fucks up all these, like, SWAT team guys. And, I mean, they're showing blood in this, and he breaks this dude's hand, and it's all, like, fucked up. And uh, it's rated PG-13, and there's blood and cussing. Um, They stick these bombs in the Suicide Squad's necks that they have to fulfill this mission because the Riddler is caught by Batman. He's put in Arkham Asylum. Amanda uh, Waller wants him broken out of Arkham or get a part of his cane that lists uh, the identities of a bunch of different things. So he she hires a suicide squad to go in there to get him. And she actually flips the switch on the KG beast and his head like blows up. Uh, Killer Shark loses his head in it. Uh, and it's a really cool mystery. And then the Joker shows up and it's it's pretty freaking awesome. Um, I, I was shocked how much I liked it. And uh, and you see Harley Quinn naked. So, I mean, what? Yeah. PG-13? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a bunch of side boobs, but she fucks mm-hmm. Deadshot. And I, I posted on Twitter, there's actually a scene uh, where they're flying to Gotham, and Deadshot says, wow, it's so nice out here. And she says, oh, I can show you lots of tight places. And she, like, shakes <laughs> her tits. I'm like, whoa. This wow. is uh, very mature, and I love it. Wow. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you should definitely check it out. It's, uh, it's a cool little mystery. There are some goofy, like, plot elements to it, but... At the end of the day, it's Batman kicking ass and uh, and taking names. And nice. I definitely recommend if you like DC animated and the Arkham games. It's definitely worth a check out. Sounds fun. Hell yeah! Um, so this week we went and saw the Expendables three. John, should people go see the Expendables three? <laughs> should you go see the Expendables three? What a loaded question. Um, <clears throat> how to answer? Let's see. Um. It's not a good movie, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't go see it. <laughs> How's that? Love it. Brad, for now. should people go see The Expendables 3? Um, uh, I guess if you've seen the other two, um, yes. Uh, but I think just uninitiated, I don't think it's it will do anything for you. Uh, man, you guys basically stole my thunder. Um, Ryan, should people go see Expendables 3? <laughs> here's the thing is... I. I had fun at the movie if they cut out the middle part with the new Expendables and just sandwiched it in all the cool guys. Um, there was a point where I was sitting there going, like, is this the whole movie, just collecting new Expendables? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's uh, like Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's a trailer for Expendables 3, the Poke Challenge. <laughs> right. Gotta catch them all. to be. <laughs> it can't be. We were close once. We started this whole Expendables thing together, but we had a falling out. What are you gonna do? Reload. 
21st century. I could do that. You want to slip on a dress and give it a shot? <laughs> this is it. This is your team. Short notice. Yeah, very short. Here's the thing is I still get a boner when I see these 80s action stars team up. I mean, there is no cooler yeah. scene than when Sylvester Stallone is leaving the hospital and Harrison Ford is there and he says, who are you? And they talk about how they killed Bruce Willis's character because he's a dick yeah. in real life. Right. And they put it in there. They made sure that they knew that he was dead. I mean, there's still something cool about it. There's still something yeah. cool about in that same hospital that Stallone literally goes from Arnold Schwarzenegger to Harrison Ford and they all have these little interactions and it's totally badass and then it's cut I guess I should say so Mel Gibson's character is an old expendable who has somehow lived being shot in the chest from Sylvester Stallone's Barney and uh, when he finds out that he's alive and Terry Crews gets shot Stallone doesn't want to put his old buddies in jeopardy again and he goes out and recruits because they only got like three of them left like yeah. they there's opening they talk about like all these dog tags in the plane of yeah at this point in the story they've lost so many of the team because a lot of the people in two like the new guys aren't there yeah yeah um well yeah hemsworth died in, yeah. in the second one <laughs> awesomely yeah awesomely. <laughs> yeah it was pretty badass but i, I felt like there's like two or three others that they um, recruited for that movie mm-hmm. they were just gone well and mickey rourke was not in the second one yeah and um, Chuck Norris was in the second one. Mm, yep. right, he yeah. wasn't in this one. Yep. I don't know. I can't remember who else. Um, I've I, I've already forgotten. Right. right. <laughs> but that's the idea. Is like the the strengthens his decision is you know I'm tired of losing more guys. Yeah. Like and we're getting too old for this. Philosophically shit. fucking dumb though because they're yeah. called expendables yeah. for fuck's sake. Yeah. Like, they're expendable yeah. by definition. So they it's know like, what they signed up for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. This is gonna happen. So you're having all this remorse. I it's just buyer's remorse. I don't yeah. get it. And, yeah. But I mean, there's some funny moments in it. Uh, they at the beginning they bust Wesley Snipes out of this train that's going to some oh, I don't even know, understand why it is happening oh that was so great a train uh, that's built into a base yeah <laughs> anyways they bust <laughs> like one end of the track is the base <laughs> I don't know where the other half goes it's it like, doesn't matter it's like an old Cobra base like when you had the <laughs> yeah. G.I. Joe's yeah. um, so they bust him out and they're talking to him and you know uh, Dolph Lundgren says well what are you doing for eight years being locked away tax evasion and that's like, yeah, why were you locked away? That's yeah. funny. Yeah, and that's for real. 
real. Yeah, it's and, really. yeah, and you, you're having fun with all these guys, and you're put with these uncharismatic new expendables. Like, this sucks. I'd much rather see Arnold Schwarzenegger go toe to toe with Mel Gibson yeah. than these fucking stupid kids. <laughs> right. And they and they just got a bunch of MMA fighters who it's not their fault, but they're not able to carry the screen like the other guys. I will. Say, I'll agree with you, with the exception of Ronda Rousey. Who I thought did a nice job. She did fine when she was fighting, but right. there was looks that she was giving that were driving me crazy. Um, I'm trying to think of one where she's like, well, if you were 30 years younger, and then she does this, you can't, I, I'm not going to do it on the podcast, you can't see it, but she gives this, like, she smells shit look. Like, huh? <laughs> I, I, I don't know, it drove me crazy. Um, but after they get captured uh, by Mel Gibson, who's awesome in this movie, because yeah. uh, there is that scene where he's, like, tied up and Stallone is talking to him. Is so fucking awesome. Yeah, he had like um, uh, when they cut back to his face, like three times in a row, he had like some, like one of those lines that mm-hmm. are just like, like one of those clever responses. Like they weren't that clever, but it's right. just like it seemed like they were just making up for each take. But like see, <laughs> one of those badass, like trying to make a badass line, but, but just, like three times in a row, it's like a, okay, that's a bit much. Back it off. There's a, a art to it. That's Mel Gibson is a great actor. I don't care if people don't like what he does personally. Yeah, he's still a great actor. Yeah, and so you can take stupid lines, even like Stallone, and have those two talk, and it's badass. Yeah. Um. And speaking of badass, uh, EPK doesn't have any cool scenes from this movie. But there's a badass interview with uh, Harrison Ford and why he chose to be in this movie. There's a lot of humor, a lot of energy, a lot of action. Um, but it's well phrased and controlled. It's good filmmaking, I think. I've had the best time working with him. He's, uh, he's uh, as, as, as everyone knows, he's a highly trained, very talented uh, actor. Um, and uh, uh, he, he long ago uh, won the battle of whether or not he should be taken seriously, and uh, and I've had a really a very positive experience working with him on on script and on uh, on the scenes themselves. He's a filmmaker. All of these people have been uh, um, both. Uh, you know, have been uh, successful in in various types of movies under various types of circumstances because they're dedicated professionals. Because he likes to fly, and they told him, "Well, you're yeah. gonna fly a helicopter in this exactly. movie." He's like, "Yeah, I'll do it." <laughs> but see, there's something badass where Harrison Ford's flying a helicopter, and Arnold Schwarzenegger has a huge Gatling gun and is just mowing yeah. people down. Yeah, I I wish there was more Terry Crews in this movie. Personally. Yeah, yeah, because he's so fucking great on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it's a great show. And they don't, uh, they didn't give him hardly anything to do. He I got mean, shot in the ass. Yeah, <laughs> which, which I mean, he's so funny on that show. And like, if they would have given him anything funny to do, I like when he said, "Time to mow the lawn." <laughs> and I go, "Yeah, Terry Crews." And you know, there was a great bit with Mel Gibson where at the end. The Expendables are literally taking on an army. Yeah. And Mel Gibson's like, really? You can't even wound one of them? Yeah. Just like calling into the ridiculousness yeah. of them just killing all these people yeah. and them not hurting them at all. Yeah. No, no scratches, really. No scratches. Now, you mentioned Wesley Snipes, and I did not realize how much I missed Wesley Snipes in my life. <laughs> yeah. Where he's just shaving off his beard with that giant machine. <laughs> yeah. And he shows up 
into the cockpit like perfectly clean shaven <laughs> yeah, yeah. after he's using a giant machete yeah. on his like face. He, like he just walked out of a Gillette yeah. commercial. And he's like, the whole time you're watching uh, Barney and uh, Christmas like having this conversation in soft focus in the background is Wesley Snipe <laughs> shaving. shaving out this beard and he's still like got like half of it to go and then all of a sudden he just comes into the cockpit and he's like perfectly done. See, that's why these movies are cool. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is you're right, they're not like... It wasn't as fun as the second one no. where they were embracing the silliness of it. I feel like this one, they went back to the first one where it was yeah, more no, serious. Yeah, right. And then you, it's yeah. serious, and then more grim. Yeah. Already, you have a problem with the the PG thirteen rating, where it's that cut, 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 cut. Oh. Where you, see that my problem with it is is watching it. There are some moments in it where you see like blood splatter. So to me, it seems like this was rated R, and then someone went through and cut it really quick, so you couldn't see it because you, the part with the uh, what's the girl's name again? Ronda Rousey. She has a badass fight, and she's about to break this dude's arm, and then all of a sudden it's cut to his arm broken. Yeah. Like, and it's fuck. also intercut with uh, Ant- Antonio Banderas fighting. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting there thinking, like, what? where are we? Like, yeah. is this in the same room still, or yeah, are they fighting I, together? Or are I they re- across the room? Yeah. No, I agree with you. This movie deserves a hard R. It does. And the reason is, it, and think about this, we're reuniting all these stars from the 80s and 90s, right? So who is the audience for this? It's pe- it's like dorks in their 30s and 40s like, like us. us. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like we want to see some fucking violence. Um maybe some nudity? Yeah. You know, lots of profanity. I mean, give me a break here. Predator is like a hard R. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And you know, it's like you get them together or Demolition Man, like seeing fucking Stallone and Snipes together again, that was awesome. Yeah. And so it's like get them together and let them do this full out and yeah. and don't neuter them. And so they spend like 45 minutes collecting new people and yeah. going through all these backstories. Which is cool to see Kelsey Grammer and stuff. I mean, they yeah. have a great interaction where he's like, I found a dark spot on my lung. And someone's like, really? <laughs> no, I just want to see if you saw the soul. And it's, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. But when those guys leave the screen, it Although it's it clearly hurts. a green screen drive. Oh, yeah, no, it's horrible. Oh, it's terrible. Like, they have the top down and they're, like, doing 60, but uh, Kelsey Grammer's hat isn't, like, shaking <laughs> at all. <laughs> well, also, the helicopters look really bad in CGI and it's... Yeah. And some of the explosions, the explosion where he's walking away from the helicopter and blows it up yeah. is bad. But I can get past that when the real expendables are on the screen. Mm-hmm. You know, when Jason Statham comes back and, yeah. and again, his fight, it seems like is really neutered because he was fighting this big guy and all, he stabs him with knives and all of a sudden he's, Wesley Snipes says, hey, are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it feels I like there's just not enough there. No, I agree. And I watched the uh, the first Expendables shortly before I went and saw this one, and that one is a hell of a lot more violent. Oh yeah, and uh, Stallone chops the dude's head off. Yeah, and at one point Jason Statham, it's either Jason Statham or Jet Li, like kicks this guy, like does like a full like down kick, and the guy's head is back, and it like it, it presumably breaks his neck, and it's yeah. like whoa, yeah, violence. Yeah, and that's the thing is, I mean, I mean, they do have these like tropes for this movie. Every movie starts with them extracting somebody or doing something. Yeah. Then they have fun. Something bad happens, and then the end. Stallone fights the main villain in some sweet battle. Yeah. And again, the Mel Gibson battle is cool, but just not quite enough. Because they uh, like they throw the guns away, and you think they're going to fight hand to hand, and then he's going to end it hand to hand. But when you cop, like I know they have the time, like the ticking time bomb. So they kind of have to wrap it up, but still, it's like <laughs> it feels like a cop out to just shoot the guy. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like, like that should just happen to begin with. Yeah. Instead of like fighting with your hands was just like, a complete waste of time. Like he should br- broke Mel Gibson's neck or something with his bare hand. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of defies the logic of the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Which is frustrating. Something you brought up, Ryan, that I firmly believe is that you know thinking about the '80s and '90s, 
with all these guys getting back together, if you're going to make that style of movie, make that style of movie yeah. and don't use so much CGI. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because go back to what it what what it felt like then because that's who this is for. I think that's why Expendables 1 and 2 work so well. Yeah. Is there a CGI in them? But I mean there's moments, you know, in Expendables 2 where Van Damme kicks that blade into Hemsworth. Oh yeah. yeah. That's badass. <laughs> or the fight at the end with Van Damme where they're just using chains and hitting each other. Yeah. That's badass. You you just need that element because you're right and you said it too. It's for us. It's not for the fucking 10-year-old kids when I went and saw it last night, yeah. they were running up and down the fucking lane. I'm like, sure the guys th- who cut the checks to make the movie are just like, you know, what's your plan for Expendables 4? Let's get some new guys in here right. for the younger crowd. Well, no, that's exactly what it is. It yeah. felt like they're trying to um, uh, universe build. They, yeah. Oh, these, these guys are going to be part of the new thing because they even ended it with them singing a song. But the best part of the ending is you find out Trench and Jet Li's character are gay together. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, Do you think they're, they're yeah? I think that's what for it was real, implying. or were they just joking? I I was. I think that's I, what I was implying. I'll be honest with you. Um, I I drank a little bit before I went and saw this, <laughs> and so by the and we we snuck some beers into the theater too. So by the end of it, I don't have a real strong recollection of the end. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have to watch it. I'm pretty sure it's implying though because they kept on saying, "So you're with him now?" He's like, "Yeah, he's with me." I mean, it's fine if that. Yeah, no, it's just. Funny. I thought they were just joking. They, they might be making fun of their sort of like foreign earnestness, maybe. Yeah. So it, I think I think it might be a gay joke from like the Americans, like, oh, so you're with him, maybe, and, and misreading sort of the implied tone. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going, yeah, I'm with him, and they like so everyone winks and has a good laugh. It's like, oh, they're gay together. They don't realize that that's what we're saying. But about see, them. that's what I mean. It's fun because you also have a line where Schwarzenegger says, "Get to the chopper." Twice, um, twice, twice, twice. I know it's awesome. Yeah. And you know those parts are what I miss. Yeah. I freaking love. Yeah. Any more of that stuff in the movie? Yeah. Just embrace your nostalgia, and I don't think it's going to do well at the box office. So this will be the last oh, one, man. and it's a bummer because I just embrace it. Just have fun. Well, they can come up with another concept to do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, you might get Escape Plan though, and that movie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I loved Escape Plan. I Did thought you it was, really? Yeah. I, it was so grim and dour, and just. I don't know. It's just, it wasn't. For I know. I, I it was miss, like a modern remake of a uh, lockup. <laughs> I, I miss Schwarzenegger in movies because even when he just says the most mundane lines, I think he's entertaining. In Expendables three, where they're all coming back from getting Mel Gibson's character, he's like, "Well, hurry on board." It's just the way he <laughs> says it is just so funny. That's why I will um, listen to any podcast with Schwarzenegger on it. Anytime he's interviewed, I'm in because the guy has so much experience and he's just he, the way he pronounces words is so strange. Yeah. That uh, I could listen to him. I could listen to him read a fucking phone book, <laughs> right? So, and I always said too, the reason why he's successful and I can behind him and not Vin Diesel is there is an art to delivering one-liners that Vin Diesel yeah. does not understand. Um, he can say "I am Groot" really well, but when it comes to carrying a movie, fuck that guy. <laughs> Anything else, John, about Expendables three? Um, yeah, I'd like to give a. I'd like to give. Um, Probably my favorite performance in Expendables three. You guys liked Mel Gibson. I thought I wanted more of the live wire Mel Gibson. Mm. Like I felt like he was just almost like dampened or like on antidepressants or something, which maybe he was. But well, you need to watch Machete Kills then because <laughs> um, he is off the chain in that. Yeah, because I love I love when Mel Gibson is kind of like on edge, mm-hmm. like in the first Lethal sure. Weapon or even even like kind of shitty B movie like Bird on a Wire. Sure. Um, and I missed that here. He he seemed really like sort of withdrawn and a little bit calculated, and I was just hoping for more. So my favorite performance was probably Antonio Banderas. Oh yeah, he's yeah. really good. In um, it. 
that was such a weird character. This guy who like desperately wants to be an expendable just so badly, and they all go, eh, "What about this guy?" And he comes in and kicks fucking ass. Mm-hmm. Well, then his even his story when he was talking to Stallone when they were walking was pretty heartbreaking. And yeah. actually, I kind of missed that. What was the like? I his whole team died. That's, yeah, he didn't get and he's off. the only one who lived. Yeah, okay. and he so he basically is doing it because he feels he owes them. That yeah, he shouldn't be alive. Okay, um, which is. Is great. Yeah, there's yeah. a couple times where I was paying attention to something else, and then I would miss things like that. I also thought it was helpful from the filmmakers that they played some Spanish guitar every time he was on. Yeah, <laughs> and you go, oh, that's who that is. <laughs> Antonio. That's... Oh, that shot that's after they first meet him and they reject him, and then the camera just sits on him. Like it's almost like an improv uh, <laughs> yeah. shot where he's, right. where they just left it in. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, the funny thing about that too is, you know, we mentioned Demolition Man. What was the what was the Stallone Banderas movie? Was that the Specialist? Assassins. Mm. Assassins, right? Bang! You got me. Wait a minute. Wasn't <laughs> wasn't he in uh, the Specialist too? Or? I don't no, know. It's just, uh, was, what's her, what's her name in Stallone? Sharon Stone. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone. Are you sure Antonio Banderas wasn't in that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I can look it up if you want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, if it was just Assassins, then fine. But um, seeing Stallone get reunited with like former enemies and former like co-stars. You're right, Ryan. I mean, that's that's part of the fun of these movies. It's like, oh, yeah. And you get to think about Demolition Man, which I haven't thought about in forever. <laughs> I love that movie. It's, and it's not it's not a great movie, but, like, in terms it's of genre, fun. it's fantastic. So. I guess all we're missing is Kurt Russell and uh, Rob Schneider. Right? <laughs> <laughs> For an expendable movie. I don't think anyone's missing that, Brad. <laughs> oh. Eh, just me, then. Some people, like me. <laughs> I, I mean, they really need to do a new Judge Dredd with Stallone. That'd be... They should go forward with the Expendables, get like Bridget Nielsen and Sandra Bullock to be Expendables. <laughs> Sharon she Stone. She wasn't Cobra. You know, um, yeah, I, I'm missing some of the Rocky villains, though, like um, Mr. Clubber Lang, yeah. Or, um, yeah, it's just you know, Carl Weathers. Because yeah. I'll bet Carl Weathers will still fuck someone. Oh, up. yeah, he should be in these. He should be. And Carl Hulk Weathers H- kicks ass. Yeah. So. Hulk Hogan, he could be in there. Oh, dude. Was I wrong? He's, he's, he's just an assassin, yeah. Who, who's in the specialist? Whatever. Don't remember. Um, cool. I think Sharon Stone's naked in it. There's that. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right about that. I think so too. I think that's her mid '90s naked in every movie phase. Oh yeah, it's James Woods and Eric Roberts. <laughs> Eric, oh, Eric Roberts is already decapitated in The Expendables. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. He's yeah, he's totally dead. Cool. So next week we'll be seeing Sin City, a Dame to Kill for. Um, should be fun. Yeah. Um, if I'm not here, it's because my baby has been born. Um, John, thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate you letting us be on your show as well. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. This was a, this was a fun universe crossover. Nice, always welcome, sir. Yeah. Tell people welcome. again where they can hook up with John of All Trades. John of All Trades, no H in my name. J O N of All Trades dot US. The US is also very important. Not com. Yeah, no, yeah, that's a different guy, and, uh, <laughs> and he's a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. Uh, he seems like a nice enough guy. <laughs> I've never actually talked to him, but uh, Facebook and Twitter, J O A T Pod. And uh, yeah, thanks guys. It was this was a blast. Yeah, it was a pleasure. We should do it again sometime. James here. Yeah, thank you. Sounds like a plan. Nanu nanu. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You wanna call us? 720-6Nerds5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover. And also, Spark Mandrill, for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. 
This has been a Nebulous Visions production.